New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to our Exodus podcast. This is Dakota Logan. I serve as our college pastor, and today we're going to be in Exodus chapter 25. Now, we right now, we're in a turning point in the book of Exodus, and there's going to be a lot of instructions for the, for the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle, and I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Typically, whenever I get to this part of the book of Exodus, I'm like, okay, there's a whole lot of details about stuff that's nothing to do with me. Like, why is this in here? But this was a huge event for them as the people of God, because this is how God chose to dwell in the midst of his people. And it's going to teach us more about the nature of God. And in so many ways, it's going to point us to Jesus. So I'm going to start chapter 25. We're going to be going through verses 1 through 30. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel, that they take from me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution from me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen and goat's hair, tanned ramskins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and the breast, uh, the, the breast piece. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. There it is. Verse 9, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, so you shall make it. They shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two cubits and a half will be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and outside shall you overlay it, and you shall make on it a molding of gold around it. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them on its four feet and two rings on one side of it and two rings on the other side of it. You shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold and you shall put the poles into the rings on the side of the ark to carry the ark by them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark the testimony that I shall give you. Talking about the commandments right there. Verse 17, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length and a cubit and a half its breadth. And you shall make two cherubim of gold of hammered work. Shall you make them on the two ends of the mercy seat? Make one cherub on the one end and one cherub on the other end of one piece with the mercy seat. Shall you make the cherubim on its two ends? The cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings and their faces one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. And you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. You shall make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold around it. And you shall make a rim around it. 
a hand breadth wide and a molding of gold around the rim. You shall make you shall make for it four rings of gold and fasten the rings to the four corners at its four legs. Close to the frame, the rings shall lie as holders for the poles to carry the table. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and the table shall be carried with these. And you shall make its place in dishes for incense and its flagons and bowls with which to pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold, and you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. Woo, that was a lot. But there's there's so there's so many details, and I want to go back and look through some. And again, so this was the beginning of them making the tabernacle, the ark that was going to be put in the tabernacle where God would speak to Moses on behalf of the people. But I love this this detail at the beginning, and I've never really noticed it before, but in verse three, it said, hey, you're gonna you're supposed to get a contribution from the people. You're gonna get from them gold, silver, and bronze, and that's what we're gonna use to to make that's what you're gonna use to make the ark. And I, I was thinking, well, okay. Like they're out in the wilderness. Like where did this where where did they get this gold, silver, and bronze? Well, it came from when they plundered the Egyptians right before God delivered them. And so I think there's something there for us that hey, a step of obedience might not make sense at the moment. Like if I was them, like we're about to leave Egypt. I mean, God, why do we need gold and silver out there? We're going to be like that. Like we we don't need that. I need food and water. No, but so sometimes a step of obedience may not make sense at the moment, but in time. Looking back, I know in my life, I often see what the Lord was doing, even if it didn't make sense at the time. But I think the main the main thrust of this whole passage that I think we should focus on is, is really just the, the presence of God in our lives. That's what this is all about, is how God could dwell with his people, even though they were sinful and imperfect, imperfect people, how was God going to dwell in the midst of his people? And there in verse 8, he said, hey, let them make a sanctuary for me that I may dwell in their midst. That was God's desire for him to dwell with his people. And then in verse 18, there's a detail of the two, the two cherubim of gold, right? And I was like, man, what, what's the big deal about them? What the, they're, not, they're not babies with wings. These cherubs, they, they were fierce looking heavenly creatures that represent us being protected from the direct presence of God. Because of our sin. The first place in scripture we see cherubim is right after Adam and Eve sinned and God drove them out of the garden. Genesis 3, 24 says they drove him, he drove them out of the garden and he placed cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. This is a picture of us being, because of our sin, not being able to be in the direct presence of God. And so, um, again, this this is all about um, the, how the ark and the tabernacle were supposed to be. And this is where sacrifices would happen so that God could dwell with his people. So all these details of, you know, with how the ark was supposed to be, the, the cherubim that was supposed to be over, over the mercy seat. Um, this was a picture of, of all these things being in place so that God's presence could dwell there with his people and so that God could speak directly to his people. And then the last part that I thought was interesting is in verse 30, the very last verse, it says, you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. The bread represented them having fellowship with God, which should ultimately point us to Jesus. Jesus said in John 6, I am the bread of life. So our fellowship with God the Father is through our faith in Jesus. We can have direct access 
to God the Father through Jesus Christ and the work that he did for us through the cross and the resurrection. And so a challenge that I think a takeaway that we can have from this today is, again, all these details were so that the presence of God could dwell in the midst of the people. Well, here's a challenge for you. Like, if you're in Christ, we need to be more mindful of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. Think about all these things, all the all the work that they had to, to go through, all the details. And God was like, hey, listen, this is how it's supposed to be. Like, and you don't veer from this plan because this is exactly how I'm going to dwell with you guys. Like, if we're if we're in Christ, then God, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. The presence of God, God, the spirit dwells inside of us. First Corinthians 316 says, do you not know that you're a temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? God himself, God, the spirit dwells inside of us. The veil of the temple was torn. When Jesus died for us and rose again through Jesus we no longer have to have a high priest to go into the Holy of Holies to make a sacrifice for us so that we can be forgiven. No, no, no. Through Jesus Christ, we have access to the Father. We can be forgiven of our sins through what Jesus has done, and we can have direct access to God the Father. And the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you today to guide us, to convict us of sin, and to help us to be more aware of the Father's leading in our lives. So as we continue to go through this section of the book of Exodus, please just don't don't check out with, with all the details. There's so much here for us that's going to teach us the nature of God and our relationship with Jesus. And so I hope this has been encouraging to you guys today, and we'll continue tomorrow through the book of Exodus. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.